All right, good morning. Uh, where are all the kids at this morning? You guys raise your hands up so I can see you. All right. Who remembers what we talked about last week? Zeke, what do you got? We talked about losing stuff. That's exactly right. We talked about stuff that we've lost. Um, and when we were talking about stuff we lost, we were talking about stuff that we've lost that then we can go and find because it was stuff like uh, a bracelet or a toy or cards, something that is just like if we lose it, if we set it down somewhere, it's going to stay in that spot and then we go back and find it. Today, uh, the passage we're talking about is, is about losing things that can move, like suns um, or uh, how many of you have pets? Like a dog or cats? Um, what would happen if, say, you have a dog and you just let it out of your fence or let it off the leash? What's it going to do? Zaley? He would be long gone. That's right. Yeah, we have, at our house, we have a beagle. And beagles like to smell everything. And when we take her for a walk, she smells like everything she can possibly get to to smell. And if we ever let her out of our fence or let her off her leash, she would just keep smelling things forever. She would just follow a smell and then follow another smell and follow another smell, and then she would be gone. And if that happened, uh, there would be many little girls at our house that would be very, very sad about their lost pet. In today's passage, what happens is there's a father who's lost his son. His son kind of left and went away from home. And when the son comes back, what do you think the father does? Do you think the father is excited? Do you think he's mad? No, the father gets up and he runs towards his son to embrace him and welcome him home. Just like if our dog ran away and came back, uh, all of our girls would run out and uh, snuggle her and smother her with kisses um, because they would be so excited that she had come home. And so kids, today, when we see this in this passage, what we're learning about is we're learning about the love that the Father has for us, just like we just sang about. And so I would encourage you to go home and talk to your parents about who God is and how he loves us and what they learned about that love in today's passage. Uh, let's pray together, and then we'll read Luke 15 uh, together this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that in it we learn that we can come to you as our Father, that we can, can pray and have relationship with you because of who you are and what you've done for us, because you sent your Son into this world to move us from being slaves to sin to being sons and daughters of God, to move us from being children of wrath to being your children. Father, we pray this morning as we look at uh, the parable of, of the prodigal son, as we look at this parable that Jesus tells us about this man with two sons, that, that we would learn more about how you love us, about how you are our Father, um, and that, that we would embrace the, the privileged identity we have as your sons and daughters, of people uh, on whom you place your love and affection, not because of who we are and what we've done, but because of what your Son has done for us. Um, so we pray that you would 
use your word this morning, that you'd use your spirit to, to challenge us and convict us and encourage us and, and stir our affections for you even as we are confronted by your affection for us. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Uh, we're going to read verses 11 through 32 this morning. Again, that's Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read uh, verses 11 through 32 this morning. The verses will also be on the slides behind me if you don't have a Bible with you this morning. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So in today's passage, we get this parable um, about these, these two sons, but we, we have to talk about two things before we, we jump into the text. The first is that we have to remember the context of this parable. A lot of times this is a parable that kind of gets ripped out of the Gospel of Luke and, and talked about in isolation from everything that's happening around it. Uh, but it's part of this, this series. Uh, last week, we talked about the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, and that started with verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus, in Luke 15, as he's, he's on his way from, from Galilee uh, up to Jerusalem, where he's going to die on the cross for us and for our sins. Uh, he's going to make a new people of God uh, by faith and no longer by just this 
specific family, the specific ethnic group uh, of the Jews. And so there, there's, as he's doing this, he's teaching and preaching and ministering to people on the way, and he's doing that with people that the Pharisees and the scribes didn't think he should do that with. He's, he's talking to tax collectors and sinners, people that they thought weren't good enough to receive the things that Jesus was giving to them. And so he tells these parables about the, the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then these two sons to talk about the gracious love of God for his people, not just the good people, but the bad people too. So that's where this parable is happening. The other thing that we need to recognize before we get into this parable is that uh, these little headings that you have in your Bible. So for example, in the ESV for mine, it says the parable of the prodigal son. These little subheadings are not inspired by God. They're, they're not part of the original text. They're written by the people that serve on the committees for, in this case, the, the ESV translation. Uh, and so uh, that's important for us to recognize because sometimes they're not very helpful. Like in this case, they might cause us to think that this parable is all about the prodigal son that the other son doesn't really matter. And so we might read this parable and only focus just on this one guy and miss everything else that's happening in this parable. But if you look at what Jesus says when he starts talking about the parable in verse 11, he says there was a man who had two sons. He didn't just have one son. He didn't just have a prodigal son. He had two sons. So we should probably pay attention to what's happening with both of these guys, not just one. And also, even though we're going to talk a lot about these sons as they come up in this parable, the highlight here is really not the sons. The highlight is the father and how he responds to the sons. And so if, if I was on the committee, I would maybe say that the subheading for this parable should be the, the parable of the father with two sons or the parable of the two sons, not just this one that we want to focus on. We want to focus on both because what we're going to see as we go through this parable is that there is a father in this parable who loves both of his sons. He loves the one that that runs away and abuses his love. And he loves the one who stays behind and tries to earn it. He loves both of these sons and showers them with love despite who they are and how they act towards him. So the first thing we get is the younger son. So this younger son, Jesus tells us, came to his father and asked his father to give him his share of the inheritance. And so as the younger son, he's entitled to a third of everything that the father has. Typically, the inheritance is given when the father dies. But this younger son comes to his father and kind of ungratefully asks for it early. And uh, we should recognize that this was probably very, very inconvenient for the father. Because it's not like he just has a bank account that he has a big pile of cash in and he just has to take out 33% of it and give it to this son. Most of his wealth, most of his, his, his earning, his inheritance was tied up in property like land or livestock. And so this father potentially had to sell land to give the son what he wanted or he gave his son the land and then his son sold it. And so this is coming at great cost to the father. This was not an easy request or an easy thing for the father to give his son. But his son asks for his inheritance and his father gives it to him. Jesus says that not many days after that, his son gathers up everything that he has and he goes to a far country. And there in the far country, he squanders all of it in reckless living. 
He, he's living just for immediate gratification. He's only concerned about the here and now. He's not thinking about what comes next. He's not thinking about the future. And the future, we find out in verse 14, is that when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he gets a third of everything that his father has. He blows it quickly on all kinds of worthless things, and then he needs food, and he has nothing. So what he does is he hires himself out to work for someone. And the worker, or the, the, the boss, sends him into his fields to feed pigs. For a Jewish son, this is unclean work. This is something that he did not want to be doing. He should not have been doing. And he's not, not just doing unclean work, but he wants to eat unclean things. He wants to eat the food that the pigs are eating. He's, he's starving. Nobody gives him anything. He's doing something that he shouldn't be doing. He's, he's at rock bottom at this point of his life. And so Luke says, or Jesus says, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he says, I'm going to go home. I'm going to confess to my father that I've sinned against him, that I've sinned against God, and I'm going to ask him not to treat me as a son, but to treat me as a servant. Just give me bread like you give them. So he goes home. And Luke says, or Jesus says, that when he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father feels compassion on his son. Compassion is not just an emotion. Compassion is is love that jumps out of us into action. So it causes this father who's, who's sitting you know, I, I always imagine this as he's, he's sitting on a porch in a chair and he sees his son, you know, coming down the road and he gets up and he runs and runs and runs and runs towards his son. This is an undignified thing for a father to do in this culture, to act in this way towards his son. But his compassion for his son causes him to act in this way, to run in an in undignified manner towards his son so that he can embrace him and kiss him and receive him as a son. The son starts in on his speech, right? If, if you've ever been in a situation where you know one of your parents is displeased with you, or you've done something potentially like this prodigal son has done, you know that this son probably on his journey back has been rehearsing this speech over and over in his head. He's preparing exactly what he's going to say. And so he starts saying what we already know he's going to say. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me... Sorry, that was the last part. He says, I've sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The next line of what he was going to say that we know from verse 19 is treat me as one of your hired servants. But the father doesn't let him get that far. The father interrupts him and calls to his servants and says, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it, let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The son comes home wanting not to be treated like a son, but to be treated like a servant. But the father, in his graciousness, in his generosity, because of his compassion, because of the love that he has for his son, refuses to treat his son like a servant. He treats his son as a son because of who he is. He has his servants gather all this stuff so that his son might be elevated back to the status of son. This son 
leaves in disgrace. He rejects his father, but his father receives him back uh, as a celebrated son. doesn't matter what, what has happened before this point to the father. The father receives him anyway. But the parable isn't over yet. In verse 25, we find out about this other son, the older son. He's, he's the one that gets two-thirds. He gets everything that's left. He's out working in the field. And uh, Jesus says that he comes, he, he draws near, he gets close to home, and he hears this party going on. He, he hears the celebration that's happening. And so he calls one of the servants over and he says, hey, what's, what's going on? Why is there all this commotion? Why is all this noise happening? He's probably a little irritated that he's been out working in the field while all this stuff is happening back at home. Servants tell him what happens. He says, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But look at verse 28. This brother, you would think, would be happy, would celebrate along with his father that his brother has come home. But the older brother was angry and refused to go in. So the father does for the older son exactly what the father did for the younger son. He comes to him. He entreats him. He asks him to come in and celebrate. But the older son says, Father, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, look, this son of yours, he's, he's distancing himself from his brother. When this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. So this, this older son is frustrated. He's angry. He's irritated because he's been working and working and working for his father, and his father hasn't given him anything. He hasn't given him a fattened calf. He hasn't even given him a measly little goat. But look what the father says to the son. He reminds him who he is. Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. The fattened calf isn't just for the brother. It's the other sons too. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The celebration, it's not just for this brother that was lost. He wants the older brother to come in and celebrate too. Because he's a son as well. This brother has been a son all along, but is living like a servant. He's trying to earn the father's love. He's trying to earn the father's affection. He's trying to earn a fattened calf. And the father comes and reminds him that he's a son. Everything that the father has is his. He could have had all of this all along, but he's been busy trying to earn it for himself. This father, in this passage, loves his sons. Both of them. The one that left and came back, and the one that's been there all along. He loves his youngest son, even though his son rejected him and squandered his inheritance. And he loves the older son, even though he's been trying to earn his love instead of just receiving it. He loves them despite what they've done because of who they are. They are his sons. And that's all he needs to love them. In Christ, this is exactly how God loves us. Not because of what we've done, but because of who we are. In Galatians 4, Paul says this. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir 
through God. By grace, through faith in Jesus, we move from being slaves to sin to being sons and daughters of God. And because we are sons and daughters of God, God loves us. God cares for us. God has affection for us, just like this father in this parable has love and affection and care and compassion for his sons. God is is greater than the father described in this parable. Out of compassion for his children, he sent his own son into his creation to redeem us, to bring us back into fellowship with him, to bring us back into his family. He moves us from being children of wrath to being his children. He moves us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son that we might share in his inheritance with him. We don't have to go to the father and ask for our inheritance. He gives it to us freely by grace through faith in Jesus. He made a way for us to be his sons and daughters. And because we are his sons and daughters, not because of what we do, but because of who we are as his sons and daughters, he loves us. And that's an all-the-time thing. And so if you ever wonder, if you're ever confused, if you're ever concerned about how God feels about you, know that if you are in Christ, if you've trusted in him by grace through faith, you are a son or daughter of God. And because you are a son or daughter of God, he loves you with all the affection that a father loves his children. And that will not change because you are in Jesus. And so I think a few questions for us to ask ourselves in response to this passage as we seek to apply it and learn from it are these. Question one, uh, and I think we have a slide. There we go. Uh, I am, am I living like a prodigal son or daughter who's abusing the father's love? Are we like this first son that's just looking for what we can get from God rather than just receiving his love and accepting that? Are we abusing his love and grace and compassion? Number two, am I living like a servant trying to earn the father's love and acceptance? We are not servants. We do serve God. But we're not slaves. We are his sons and daughters. And so we should live like that, receiving his love, not trying to earn it or earn his acceptance. Or number three, am I living as a son or daughter of my father? I would encourage you uh, later today, maybe, maybe early this week, spend some time and read through this beginning part of Luke chapter 15. Uh, read through the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin and the parable of these two sons. Uh, so that you might be reminded by God, by the Spirit, through His Word, of the love that God has for you that is on display in these parables. You would spend some time meditating and prayerfully considering the identity you have as His son or daughter and the affection that He has for you. And that affection that He has for you would then in turn stir the affections that you have for Him and would motivate you outward in obedience, not trying to earn His love as a servant, but because you are his children, right? In Ephesians, it says that as beloved children, be imitators of God. Because we are his children, because we are sons and daughters, we should live like we are members of the family. So I would encourage you to think about those things, to think through those questions, read through this passage, and meditate on the reality that you are, if you are in Christ, a son or daughter of God. I'm going to pray, and then Daniel's going to come and introduce the Lord's Supper this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the deep love you have for your children. That it is 
vast beyond all measure. And that you sent Jesus to show us, to demonstrate, to prove to the world just how much you love your children. Father, we pray that you would help us as your people, as your children, not to be those who who abuse and, and misuse and take for granted the love that you have for us. And that we wouldn't live like slaves instead of sons trying to earn uh, your love and acceptance, but instead that we would know and believe and trust and, and live in light of the reality that we are your sons and daughters in Christ. And that because of the affection that you have for us, that we would be motivated to live as your children, to live like members of your family, to do the things that you call us to do in your word, not to earn your favor or acceptance, but because we have it in Jesus. We pray now that as we continue in our service together, that that as we uh, sing songs of praise, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, that you would remind us through your word that we do so as members of your family. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf, that you came to bring us back into your family, that we might share in your inheritance with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.